If you look at it like your body's a bank account, you want to be in surplus. You don't want to be in deficit. So, you know, I always get clients when they come into the clinic to do a diary of what's their output for the day. How much are they putting out um, from exercise to, you know, socialising to phone calls with friends? And then what are they actually putting back in? Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rate Active Podcast. We're bringing you inspiring conversations to help you live an active and inspired life. So make sure you hit subscribe so that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are released. I'm your host, Rachel J. I'm also a coach and the founder of Core30. I am very thrilled to welcome my guest to the show today. She is a doctor of Chinese medicine, an acupuncturist, a women's health specialist, and is also the co-host of newly launched podcast, The Lady Power. Podcast, and she's also the founder of Angia Acupuncture and Yoga. Welcome to the show, Dr. Amanda Waldike. Thanks, Rach. Just Amanda's <laughs> fine, babe. <laughs> I'm just going to call you Mans, you know, because yeah, that's just, just that's how I call you. But I had to do the, you know, the formal intro. People need to know your full name and your title and everything. So. <laughs> How are you going, Mans? That's better. <laughs> I'm great. How about you? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's very uncertain times at the moment, but I think this is why conversations like this are very important so we can unpack all of these great things for our health and wellness. And one of the cool things about you and I is that we've interchanged our specialities with each other. You've been a member of Core30. I've come to see yes. you for acupuncture. So it's very, very cool that we, we get to share with each other our different aspects of health and wellness. I love that. It's so cool. It's very, very cool. And I mean, we've had plenty of conversations with each other, but one thing that I don't know is how you got into health and wellness and particularly your field of specialization because it's quite unique. So can you tell me a little bit how you got into all of this stuff? Um, okay. We'll do we'll do the really cr- um, brief version. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I had my own health crisis back when I was 18. So, I, I mean, I'm open and honest about it now. I had a heroin addiction when I was younger. Um, and so I went down a very downward hill spiral and I was a, basically a functioning addict. And, you know, everything always comes to the surface. And so that was my huge catalyst for change. Wow, that is massive. That's a very big story. Uh, you know, I was wow. doing nursing, so my, I'd always wanted to help people. So I knew that was that was in my genetic makeup. And um, throughout my recovery, I went and saw a Chinese medicine doctor and a naturopath, and I literally just fell in love with the philosophy of Chinese medicine. So I was 21, and Ken Zhao actually ended up being one of my lectures, which is so funny because you go full circle. And what happened was uh, I decided that this is it. I've got to go study Chinese medicine. And so I enrolled into uni and, you know, it was a six-year degree. And at the end of my degree, I went and studied over in China for a year. Um, During that stage, I was also doing half Ironman and was, you know, because I grew up playing state league netball as well. So highly functioning. (laughs) One addiction goes into the other. So then you go into a healthy addiction, right? Right. Yeah. Well, at least it's healthy now. So that's great. It's great to hear that. My goodness. So it is full circle. It is. It is. It is full circle. 
And then so went to China, came back, and then I always knew I was going to work for myself and so set up my practice in Paran, uh, which now is Angia Acupuncture and Yoga. So initially I thought I was going to work with athletes because uh, at the end of my degree I worked with the Western Bulldogs and did a year volunteering with, with the Western Bulldogs. And that was my passion because I loved health and fitness from doing, you know, all the half Ironman. And you know what it's like. You just feel, you feel amazing when you feel you well do. in your body. Um, just mm. the the effects of that and wanting other people to experience that. And that's like you were saying, why we have these conversations. Uh, mm. So anyway, women started appearing at my door and I went, okay, I'm not meant to be doing sports medicine. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to, I'm, I'm supposed to be helping women, but I didn't know what that sort of looked like. And then, you know, the universe, um, you've got to be open and you've got to go and listen and look for the signs. And so that's how it all sort of came about. That's so incredible, Vance. I've, I feel like you have told me that before, but I didn't remember your full story. And so it is still mind-blowing for me to hear that again, that you've come through that amazing journey. But I do feel like a lot of people who do work in the health and wellness space have some sort of personal, there's something that goes on with them personally that they go through a transformation and then because they know the benefits and the positive effects of, of looking into your health and wellness, obviously, and transforming that, then they want to share that with other people, obviously, right? So yes. it's just so incredible. It's a gift, isn't it, for us, I think, to be able to Definitely. impart that. Because it's also to, it's having that person experience and having gone through a journey yourself. And I think that's what brings the transformation. And that's what most people are looking for is when they are going through something that's really big, that they then need that support network. And that comes from our health and fitness, you know, whether that's acupuncture, the whole, you know, it takes a village really essentially, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. And you and you can kind of draw on different philosophies and different practices and modalities yes. to support you through whatever journey you're going through because it's different for everyone, obviously. Yes. So, so with TCM, it's obviously a very specific approach to health and wellness, different to the Western approach. So can you tell me what the key philosophies are and what kind of drew you into this particular way of approaching your health and wellness? Absolutely. So I think Chinese medicine is whole body medicine. So we don't compartmentalize. We look at things as a complete whole. So it's not just, you know, your illness is just not separate to potentially your mind and body. It's just that everything is interlinked. And so we have a philosophy that's based off yin and yang. And so yin is the feminine and yang is the masculine. And so we like to have a balance of yin and yang. And in Western medicine, we'd call this homeostasis. So when our body is going through a diseased state is that this balance of yin and yang goes off balance. And so it's sort of finding those patterns of diagnosis of what's wrong within the body to help restore it back to its state of wellness, basically. And it's like when we're born, we're born into this pure state of wellness. And so the body knows that state of wellness. So it's actually coming back to that within ourselves to find that balance of yin and yang, essentially. Mm, and there's all these other factors, obviously, in the culture that we live in that deviate us out of balance, correct? Yes, and right. and and so we have to find our way back. And I mean, I, I know you and I have spoken about this before, where we've talked about our lifestyles and culture, where a lot of us live this life of having to always be productive and do things and achieve more and, and always on the go, especially if you're a type A personality. <laughs> and like like you, man. Like <laughs> I think you, we can. Meg. 
I do remember you sharing with me that, you know, having to learn to slow down. And I, I think so many of us have to do that. Yes. Um, so can you tell me why, why do we have to learn how to slow down and how can we be okay with that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> I think it's it's not something that we practice here really in the West, is it? And I think when we slow down and we're Ill, in the stillness, you know, that's the uncomfortableness. And, you know, what when we're sitting in uncomfortableness, what does that bring up for us? You know, because we really have to sit with ourselves and then look deep within ourselves to see what what's wrong or not that there's any, maybe there's nothing wrong either, but it's kind of like we have to sit with our emotions and we've got to sit with the uncomfortableness. And I don't think that we're very good at that. And well, it's not even been good. It's just that we haven't been taught. And that's where it's so wonderful with all the Eastern philosophies, you know, your meditation, your Qigong, um, your mindfulness, uh, that it gets us to come back to that state of stillness. And because when we're in that state of stillness, that's when all the magic starts to happen. <laughs> it creates space, doesn't it? And within space that's where transformations can start to take place and so I think that a lot of us are born into this world um, you know and we come in it's like a lot of just living in this fight or fight 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 or freeze as we know and so our nervous systems are just in overdrive and when we're constantly in this state that we start to have a breakdown within our body, whether it's our endocrine system, whether it's our nervous system, and then from that, then that starts to play out with different pathologies in the bodies and that's when illness starts to arrive. And so it really is important to find that balance between the yin and the yang, the doing and then the stillness. And I think, you know, it's great to have an A-type personality. I mean, you can't change (laughs) who you are, right? Right. But it's like we weren't – I was never – taught from my parents that I you know rest was important that when you actually rest your body can heal and repair we were just taught that you get up you go to school you do all your athletics you come home you do your homework and I mean that's basically the premise isn't it for people when they're going through their high school years and they're not really taught about you know just taking some time out Um, and then that kind of carries through into your adult life and so I think that when we're in that constant state of driving is that we end up, you know, end up getting sick. And so whether that ends up then like to a glandular fever, we're more prone to viruses, that leads to more hormonal issues, you know, your periods start to stop. And so we we really need to take the time to stop so we can also tune into our bodies. You know, our body is a communication system that's communicating with us constantly. But because we're always driven, I always say it's like we've got the green state, the amber state, and then the red state. The green state is the state where we're in flow and we're in that parasympathetic, which is a rest and digest. And then we have amber, which is like, okay, let's go. You do your projects, you move on, you know, your body's not in too much of a flight or fight state. And then the red state is uh, that flight, fight or freeze. And I think for many of us, we operate from that state because we're actually operating from our mind. We're not really operating from the intuitive wisdom of our body. And our body tells us what we need. Yeah. But instead, like, you know, in the mornings, I just get up, I don't go train. And even though I would be feeling physically tired in my body, I would go, I've got to train because I've got to do, I've got to get to work and then I've got to ride my 60Ks, you know, before I go to work. 
rather than going, actually, if I have a rest day today, I'll probably repair better. I'll be able to, my body will be able to absorb nutrients more. Um, I'll be physically feeling better the next day. So I'll have more energy because otherwise it's like a cat chasing its tail. You never get there, do you? You just no. go, 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 go. And eventually that leads to burnout of some sort, or like you said before, some sort of manifestation of an imbalance and therefore perhaps illness or something like that. That's that's what happens essentially yeah. if you if you yeah. go into that state. Uh, and I think so many of us too feel like a stressful state or anxiety, uh, anxious state. That's just normal. We've become so used to that being the norm, you know, and which which is horrible. But that you know that is the reality for a lot of us. So you know what actually happens to us because you touched on fight or flight or freeze. For people who aren't really aware of what that means and specifically to do with, you know, your adrenals and, and cortisol levels and all those kinds of things, can you yes. sort of talk through what that actually, what, what is actually happening in the body when we get in those states of anxiousness and, and stress? Yeah, I think for a lot of us, we're, like you said, we're not even really aware of what that state is or we're just used to that state. Yes. And so essentially uh, it's perception. So what we perceive is relayed through into the amygdala, which is then um, through a neurotransmitter to the hypothalamus. Like, So the hypothalamus um, is part of our reptilian brain and it's about survival. And so <laughs> it then relays uh, down to our pituitary and then down to our adrenals. So the adrenals is part of the hormones that produce cortisol and nephroephrine. And so when we're in this constant state of drive is that the body starts to access those hormones. And so we produce cortisol naturally anyway. So when we get out of bed in the morning, Morning, we get a spike of cortisol. That's healthy cortisol because it's like, okay, we've got to get up. We've got to start our day. Um, but when we're in this constant state of anxiety or just overdrive is that we're producing those hormones all the time, cortisol. And so that then it starts to create hormonal dysregulation through other systems in our, in, in our body, our endocrine system. So then that starts to affect our hormones, our mental state, our mood, our gut health, you know, our brain being our second gut. And so it ends up basically just causing great dysregulation through our body. Mm. And I think to a lot of people um, with the cortisol, because you do have that little, like you said, just that's a natural thing for you to get up in the morning. But yes, a lot of us tend to have coffee first thing in the morning <laughs> <laughs> just to boost a little bit. So good or bad, yeah. coffee, no coffee. What's your thoughts I, about that? <laughs> I do like coffee. I mean, I love coffee myself and particularly met people in Melbourne as well. How oh, we love our coffee. Coffee snobs we are. We are, aren't we? We definitely know a good coffee. So in Chinese medicine, we always recommend that in the morning, it's like getting up, you cut, your body's like a car, right? So you want to fuel your body first thing in the morning. You want to put petrol into your car so it can start. And so that's the same. You want to be putting food, nutritious food into your body so you can basically get a healthy metabolism for your day. So you can start your engine rather than getting up in the morning and having a coffee first thing before you start your exercise or as soon as you get out of bed because then you're actually giving your body an extra cortisol spike. Mm. Um, and as the cortisol levels, if you see it on the Dutch test, the cortisol levels will spike and rise in the morning and then they start to come down in the afternoon as the body preps into that nighttime. So you kind of see you've got the rise of yang in the morning, which the sun rises, and then you come down into the nighttime, which is the yin, which is the body's um, coming into that restful state. 
And so, you know, if we're having coffee in the afternoon at three o'clock in the afternoon and you've already got high cortisol levels, is that you'll continue to spike those and then it takes the nervous system time to be able to unwind. So then, you know, you can lead to um, insomnia, struggling to get to sleep, more heightened anxiety. And I think, you know, being in that state all the time, it's not healthy. We need to actually bring it back to our nervous system into that parasympathetic, into that restful state. So we're cyclical, you know. We've got day and night and our body's exactly the same, but we're, you know, we've so much stimulation. We've been on our phones now in lockdown more as that becomes a um, disruption for our pineal gland, the blue light. You know, back in the day, women would women's menstrual cycles would operate via the moon. We'd ovulate at the um, at the full moon, and we'd have a period at the new moon. So, following these lunar cycles, and we've really lost this innate nature to be back in nature. Um, yeah. And I think being in lockdown, that's a big thing, isn't it, to come back to nature, and then to live our lives around our cyclical nature. Mm, to a more natural state, I suppose, rather than influenced so much by external factors of our lifestyle. It's, it's hard to do because, you know, we, we live in society that, that operates that way. So it's, I guess, around being conscious and aware of, yes. of coming back to that, that state. Because if, if you look at it like your body's a bank account, you want to be in surplus. You don't want to be in deficit. Yeah. So, you know, I always get clients when they come into the clinic to do a diary of what's their output for the day, how much are they putting out mm. um, from exercise to, you know, socialising to phone calls with friends and then what are they actually putting back in. So, um, you know, downtime, mindfulness practice, being out in nature, you know, sitting down and enjoying a meal, just those simple things because yeah. that's putting that input back in because when we get to that deficit, like you were saying, it's like that burnout. So then you start to go and move into adrenal fatigue, high cortisol levels, which is not great for anyone. Yeah, I definitely know as a coach and I guess what we do for our professions, like we are, our expenditure, energy expenditure is very high. And so I definitely feel that not only for me, but it's something that I've definitely been conscious of that you have to take a lot of time to rebalance so that you've got more to give. It's almost like that philosophy of you've got to fill up your own cup before you can give you anybody. Right. Otherwise, there's nothing to give, right? That's exactly, that's exactly <laughs> right. Otherwise, we'll be just a shell of ourselves. I know. Oh, and especially through lockdown and through COVID and everything, I think it's exasperated a lot more where, you know, we're all experiencing this collective anxiety, a collective trauma where you may need even more downtime than you normally would if, if we were living life as per normal because it is it's such a crazy time right now, you know. Oh, it is. And I, that's the thing. We're all trauma bodies, whether yeah. it's like this trauma in this time, lifetime, past lifetime, ancestral trauma, is that we're all being triggered in one way or another. Mm, yeah, so it's good to be conscious of that. I'm really glad that you brought up the yin and yang energies because this is one thing that I'm I'm really curious about because I feel that, I mean, I think in Western society, like you said, we don't really think about that so much. And so, you know, the yang energy is sort of more associated with masculine energy and the yin energy is more associated with feminine energy, right? So you kind of touched on a few little things. But aside from, I suppose, you know, slowing down, what specific things can we do that will bring us back to balance with this yin and yang? Because I guess, you know, people might not associate may not even have made those associations with with action and masculine energy. So is it to do less 
or is it to just infuse our lives with more yin practices? And what can those practices, what, what can they look like? <laughs> it's such a it's such a great question because I would say people are like, oh, you're so feminine, but I used to just be in the masculine mm. all the time. It would even be just the way that I talk, how I'd come in, my voice, you know, just your presence. Um, and so it's taken me, a pra- it's been a practice to actually learn how to embody the feminine. I think that's what it is. It's coming back to an embodiment practice yeah. um, to really start to access the feminine because I even think, you know, mas- the ma- like males will say, well, how do you actually access the feminine um, for, for, for a man? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so that's, that's for, I think, males have just been emasculated um, and it's like they've kind of been told society's put these pressures on that you need to be the provider. So it's like kind of like they go out and it's like this hunter-gather mentality um, which the, that they then carry through, but then how do you actually bring in the feminine? So it's been able to, for the males, it's like being able to express your emotions, being able to sit in a space and not be judged um, and to share how you're feeling, um, to take, t- I don't think that they're taught how, you know, my husband hasn't been taught how to take time out. So whether that's just running a bath um, and then also too, I mean, really, if we want to get to the depths of it is it's about nurturing and nourishing ourselves. It's practicing the art of surrender. Um, it's coming back to home to our bodies. It's coming back to ourselves. The sages back in the day, they were all women, right? Because women could actually sit in their shit, sit in, yes, and and then be okay with that, and then work through that. So it's like I always say, it's like a lotus flower. It's the dark and turbid, muddy, and then you go through your transformation. You sit in the darkness, and then you come out through the other side, yeah. which is uh, the lotus flower. Then rises this beautiful flower buds, which is then the yang. So you're in the darkness, you're in the murky energy, and I think we've been experiencing a lot of that in COVID. So we've had to really go back into ourselves and look deep within ourselves and see what our triggers are and sit with that and then start to go, okay, what can I do that's going to be different? What am I going to change that's actually going to make me start to feel good within myself? Because there's a book in Chinese medicine and it's called The Path of Destiny. So um, as soon as we're conceived, we've got our genetic blueprint and our dharma. And so when we start to go off course in our life is that disease, disease starts to arise within within all our meridians. And what that disease is, it's to actually bring us back to ourselves, to put us back on our trajectory of where we need to be heading in life. So what a, what a, an amazing way to look. I've never heard it described that way before. That's a really amazing perspective on illness. <laughs> it is because Isn't it? we are well-beings. Yeah. Well-being. We are well-beings. We only... You know, I just think back to my massive, you know, catalyst for change in my life. It was because it was to put me on this path of trajectory. Um, And it's to teach us to come back to these practices that have been forgotten, which is, you know, meditation and mindfulness, being out in nature, being one with nature. Yeah, just coming back to that, that home state. 
coming back to the alignment, the alignment, which in, yeah. which in Chinese medicine, the meridian that runs down the midline of our body is called the conception vessel. It's also the birthing vessel, but it's also our chakra system. And the meridian at the back of the body is our nervous system. So that's the governing vessel. So the governing vessel is about stability support. It's the yang. So, right, you think about what the process of the spine does in our body. It keeps us upright. It allows us to grow tall. It keeps us moving forward, right? The purpose, when we have a, um, spinal injuries, you know, how does that make us feel? Like we can't feel like we're mobile. We can't function. Um, and then the frontline meridian is all about conception. What are we going to birth in our life? Yes. You know, what ideas do we want to bring in? Um, fertility doesn't necessarily have to relate to con- like conceiving babies. Fertility is about what do you want to birth in this lifetime? Yeah. And creativity. So meridian, creativity. Yeah. 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 And so that meridian is about nourishing so you've got to, when we have, um, so in Chinese medicine, when we have, when we give birth, we have the most amazing experience. Women expand in every direction, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Mm-hmm. But when we expand and we give too much and then we start breastfeeding is that we're giving, giving, we've just had this, you know, experience that's expanded us beyond. And then we have to come back into our container again. So that's why we have the six week period. Um, the first 40 days, because it's really about nourishing the mother again, which relates to this meridian, the sea of yin. So it's always about coming back home to ourselves, nourishing ourselves, nurturing ourselves. Mm, that's the basis of that's everything. That's simple, right? It really, it really is. It's, I, I don't know why we have to make it so difficult for ourselves, to be honest. We, we make it really hard. <laughs> just to be healthy, just just come back and nourish yourself. We're complex. We are. Right? Humans are complex. so complex. So complex. We are. And difficult anyway. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, and difficult. So difficult. So let's talk about women's cycles and the effects on us as we work through the cycle, because you sort of said like normally back in the day it was it was with the moon, but biologically and what's going on with us physiologically, there are things that are happening within the body. You know, our bodies are going through a cycle, obviously, but not not just the reproductive area. So what do we need to be conscious of in terms of energy expenditure, in terms of movement, in terms of all those kinds of things as we work through that cycle? What are, what's kind of going on with us? We have no, we have no yeah. idea. We're not taught about our bodies. Our menstrual cycle is our fifth vital sign. It is our gateway to our intuition. So our period is our gateway to our intu- intuition. Uh, and so we are these cyclical beings that have seasons, just as we have seasons in nature. See, males produce the testosterone, male hormone testosterone, which is yang. Right. If you look at a menstrual cycle on a graph, we've got these fluctuations. So we've got estrogen, progesterone. So when we're having our bleed, we're in our winter phase. And what does winter do? Winter's about because we're losing energy, we're losing chi and blood. We want to nurture ourselves. We want to slow down. We don't want to be going out there and doing heaps of output and exercising because then that can actually affect us into our next menstrual cycle. And that can lead to period, you know, issues and whatnot. So winter, eating nutritious food, really good fats, um, good carbohydrates, soups, bone broths to nourish our body from losing chi and blood. Then we come into our inner season of our follicular phase, which is spring. And so it's kind of like, you know, when you've you've had your period and you're feeling really tired and blur and you just want to eat the carbs. There's also a reason about that, but I won't go into that. <laughs> um, 
naturally our body because we're losing our endometrial lining it changes and it produces these glycogen um glycogen proteins so that's why we naturally want the carbs and the sugars um so you have to listen to your body you know follow your intuition don't feel guilty enjoy it it's a guilty pleasure yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> and then spring is what how do we feel in spring naturally you know after winter it's like yes we start to feel good yeah. our estrogen's rising we want to be engaging more this is a really good time to really amp up your training as well because estrogen's a growth hormone you're feeling more connected to your body you're feeling back in your body again and then we come up into summer so how are we feeling in summer we're like well we're vibing <laughs> love it <laughs> the pheromones are out oh there, yeah right? oh yeah the body is essentially <laughs> you're feeling good you're looking good you and this is even you know you, your yang energy is high so you want to be like increasing your training here and then we come into our luteal phase which is our autumn season and that's where we start to slow things down again that's a season like where we come in for introspection we're sort of gathering getting ready for winter again and so you can see that we start to women basically follow these seasons, the four seasons. It's amazing. I think that we all need to be taught this because we just aren't taught this, you know, and and just having that understanding, I think helps you, just even hearing you describe it this way, it makes sense. All the things that you, you, you probably notice this in your cycles, ladies who are listening, that you feel tired or you have PMS or some sort of symptoms prior to you, you might crave certain, for me, it's chips, you know, all the carbs, chips and chocolate. And... <laughs> That just totally makes sense. And to just kind of go with it, I suppose, rather than try and fight against it and do what a culture tells us to do, which is just keep going, keep going, keep going and push through it, just yeah. to listen to what's going on in our bodies. One other thing that I think is very, very, very common with a lot of women, they experience particular symptoms around endometriosis, PCOS, which is polycystic ovary syndrome. I know a lot of clients of mine have experienced this. Also, friends that I've spoken to have dealt with varying different degrees of these symptoms. So what is the TCM approach to, I guess, managing and, and navigating these conditions? That I mean, it's very common, these things. I mean, I've got adenomyosis and endometriosis. Mm. Um, I was diagnosed at age 41. And so I think the thing is, is that what's been hard is that a lot of women are always told from, you know, GPs that your pain, it's it's not real or their pain's dismissed. So they go throughout their lives for 10 years before even getting a diagnosis. And so when you're living in constant pain, what does that do? Tissues have issues, right? So um, your body starts to shut down and you start to disconnect to your body. And so Women that are experiencing endometriosis is firstly, it's working with a holistic team um, and an integrative team working with a GP that can help you to get to the right um, specialist uh, and then finding from there whether you need to have surgery or whether then you can management manage it through, um, you know, holistic lifestyle um, choices. And then with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's the same thing. I mean, it's so uniquely different for each person and there's a set of criteria. 
Um, it's not just about just taking the pill, right? Because the pill will just mask your underlying condition. What the pill does is it basically shuts down your biological feedback system. So it shuts down your hypothalamus to your pituitary ovarian access, the HPO access, right? And this is super important because this is how we have those seasons, those four phases of our cycle. And so when we shut that down over a very long period of time, we're essentially shutting down our communication system. So women come off the pill and then they find that they're not having periods right? And it can take, you know, one to two years for their periods to reestablish. And that's because you've shut down your intrinsic biological nature to have a menstrual cycle. And so, you know, I was saying, as we were saying before, it's like coming back to really kind of looking at what's the underlying issue. And it begins with education and we've got to change the way that GPs, you know, approach women's health. Um, that's the first, <laughs> first one. So with polycystic ovarian syndrome is that there's three criteria. So it's um, going into your GP, running some blood tests, firstly having a pelvic ultrasound to see whether you've got, um, you know, a multiple cysts and the criteria now is 26 cysts or follicles on either side of your ovaries. Um, and then whether you've got high androgen um, hormones and that's the DHEA and testosterone levels. Um, and then also too, if you're having irregular cycles. So each month, you know, on average, women have a 28-day cycle and a regular cycle can be a 35-day cycle, then a 42-day cycle, a 60-day cycle. Um, with endometriosis, women can go and have a pelvic ultrasound and it shows nothing on the pelvic ultrasound, yet they're experiencing chronic pain, chronic pelvic pain. The doctor will go, no, you're fine. There's nothing on your, on your pelvic ultrasound. So it's kind of like then they're dismissed. Um, so with um, endometriosis, we have a diagnostics um, that we use in clinic and that's really looking at the health of your period. So if you're having your period each month and you're experiencing menorrhagia, heavy bleeding, if you're having pain on sex, dyspareunia, um, if you're having painful periods, dysmenorrhea, um, and then if your periods are containing clots, looking at the, the volume, how much blood you're losing, you should not be flooding a tampon um, and having to wear a super pad. Uh, that means that you've got excessive bleeding. And then if you've got clots that are like a dark purple, a black colour, a crimson, and clots the size of a golf ball, that's not normal, ladies. Yeah. Despite you being told that that's normal, it's completely not normal. And we really need to change this um, around education um, to women's periods because they are our fifth vital sign. They're our only female vital sign. Um, and it's key to diagnosing um, reproductive issues and gynecological issues. It's one of those things too, I think, that the conversations around it aren't as mainstream, I suppose. Like we don't really talk about it that much. And so from a, just from a gen pop perspective, I mean, where do you, you know, unless you're going to go see somebody, but if you don't think you have an issue, then you're not going to go see anybody and where do you get that information from? So I think it's, it's really important that we, yeah, talk about it, bring it to light so that if you are experiencing symptoms like that, you, you go, hang on a second, maybe I need to see somebody and get some support around this, which is, which is really cool. You touched on there that you, you went through your own endo journey. How can you share your experience with that? Yeah, so I um, I'd had a couple of miscarriages, uh, but didn't have. I was very lucky. We we conceived both naturally um, for Winnie and Freddie. But when I was uh, forty one, I noticed start changes with. I, I've always had bloating my whole life, but I've never had issues with my period. So my periods always twenty eight days. 
always bled for one to two days, which I put down to doing, you know, a lot of sport. So for me, and I'd done a lot of work around my periods because I've been doing Chinese medicine for, you know, 20 years. And so when I went and had a pelvic ultrasound, it showed that I had a bulky uterus and a bulky uterus generally means that there's adenomyosis because our myometrium, which is our uterus, which is the outer layer of our uterus, our endometrium is the inner layer. That's the laying that, that we shed each month. Um, is that, and if you think about our gastrointestinal tract, right, that's smooth muscle. So if we've got endometriosis, which is um, endometriotic tissue that migrates into our myometrium, into our uterus, it starts to change the shape of our uterus. And so that's how we start. And over time, when we're having our period, because um, the, the, the endometrium is formed in spirals. And so we have prostaglandins and prostaglandins naturally cause gentle uterine contractions to help our um, blood to shed. So when you've got this contraction into this smooth muscle it's um, of this diseased tissue, it starts to change the shape. And so you get um, really heavy periods, you get a lot of bloating, you can get a lot of distension, um, also um, issues with your bowels. And so the pelvic ultrasound said, you've got adenomyosis. So then I went and saw an endo specialist and he said to me, look, you know, um, 50% of women with adeno also have endo. And I said, I think I know, I just knew I had endo. Um, and so I went in and I had stage four endometriosis, um, adhesions all over my pouch of Douglas, my sacroiliac. And it's also too interestingly because I couldn't get into a pigeon pose. And I was like, my hip, like my mobility through my hips had started to change. Wow. And I'm like, after the surgery, I was back doing a normal pigeon. Amazing. And for those of you listening, pigeon pose is one of the, one of the worst hip openers in yoga, actually. It's so painful. Yeah. But incredible that, that as soon as that was addressed, that you could go back into pigeon. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And so the only way to really manage, um, well, management is through laparoscopic surgery mm -hmm. and then looking at really specific um, diet, lifestyle and diet. Nutrition's huge, um, anti-inflammatory diet, and then looking at the Dutch test, the way that your liver is able to metabolise your oestrogens. Um, I think that's really where functional medicine um, can really bridge the gap between Western medicine and Eastern medicine. Mm -hmm. Um and also, too, just on that note, for women like with polycystic ovarian syndrome, it's such a struggle for them if they they are producing high androgens because it's like they notice the weight gain and it's like I'm doing all the right things, right? I'm exercising, but I'm just not losing weight. And so, you know, they'll go to the GP and the GP will just go lose weight. And it's like I just want to say to the women, it's not that, you know, it's not that easy. They're, they're doing all the things. It's multifactorial. It's all interlinked. Yeah. That's the other thing too is like I think for women as well, you know, for our health and fitness, it is easy to kind of go, okay, this is this is what you need to do and then we'll achieve that. But but I think too hormonally, you know, there's so much going on just even if you're not experiencing these particular symptoms. I mean, women especially have so much going on in the body that it, it is varying factors, not just one thing, I guess. No, that's right. And you know what? Well, at the end of the day, women are guided by their hormones. Mm. Our hormones from our brain to our reproductive organs, that's how we function. Yeah. Um, and that's why we can feel like we're going crazy because it's all interlinked. It's linked into our mood. It's linked into our gut health, um, which comes back to that, you know, as I was saying, that whole medicine, whole body medicine. Yeah, holistic approach to health. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I do like to chat to my guests about 
is failure and rejection because I feel like we all experience it definitely in our lives. And I'm really curious to know what your biggest failure or rejection has been and what have you learnt from it? There's been, there's been so many. <laughs> there was one when I, I was in a was in a 13-year relationship previous um, to Garth and it was just tumultuous. It was really toxic in the mm. end. And I remember I just totally destroyed myself again. So back into that like kind of space where I was when I went through that massive life change at eight, you know, 21. And I remember I got, I was, uh, I woke up in the morning and he was like, my partner was sitting up and he was still drinking. And I was like, it's, you know, it's seven in the morning. And so I was like, that's it. I'm done. Right. So I called up my mum and dad. I said, come pick me up um, because I was going to do this training camp up in Falls Creek. And I remember riding my bike up the hill and I was like going, oh, my God. And I was so tired. And I just threw my bike down on the side of the hill and I was like, mans, you got to promise yourself you're never going to let yourself get to this state again. Um, and I just tears, you know, when you just like buckets of tears, buckets of tears. And so I'm glad. So I made a promise to myself, never let myself be let down again like that because I'd done it time and time again. And it was like, that was a pattern. And so I had to change that pattern. Um, and then when, so, you know, being that A-type personality, <laughs> had the acupuncture clinic, was like, yes, I'm going to set up a yoga studio. The place across the hallway came for lease, leased it out, um, took out a business loan, um, set up the yoga studio. It was going to be specialised in mums and bubs, fertility yoga, prenatal yoga. Anyway, money's just going out the door, paying the yoga teachers, mm. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So literally just bleeding money, just working at the acupuncture clinic to pay for the yoga studio. (laughs) And um, when my daughter got sick, um, we nearly lost her, is that it was coming up for renewal of lease and I just went, you know what, I've just got to call up. The universe is going, you know what, you can go two pathways here. Which pathway are you going to choose? And I just went, it's time to actually just, you know, honour my losses Mm. um, and just learn from it. You know, I think every failure, there's always that beautiful time to reflect and learn isn't there. And I don't think it's ever a failure. I think it just propels us into that next trajectory. Um, And I think we've always got to give it a go. If you don't give it a go, you'll never, never know. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think like, I mean, everybody that I've spoken to pretty much on the podcast has said the same thing. And I think, well, I mean, it's shitty that we have to go through the the failures and the losses, but it's in those moments of loss and is, is how we grow and how we learn. So they are valuable lessons, but, you know, when we're going through them, not so much at the time. No, or you just don't, or you just don't see it. When you're in the thick of it, you just can't see Definitely. it, and then something changes, and you're like, okay. Yeah, it's always in hindsight, I, though. You're always when you look back, you go, oh, okay, I understand now why I had to go through that, or why I had to learn that lesson. I get it now. And then, and I think it, it's so true, and I think it comes with age. But I think we never stop learning, and we never stop making mistakes. Yeah. You know, I encourage the kids to make mistakes because that's how they learn. I mean perfection doesn't exist. I grew up with a mum that was, you know, she's like, I'm perfect. 
and she ended up getting cancer. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like I think that these life lessons um, grow us personally, yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally. Definitely, definitely. If you had a overarching statement that you try to live your life by, what would that be? <laughs> It's so cheesy. <laughs> Just do it. Just it's do like, it. I love. I like it. I love the. I love the Nike philosophy. I just do it, and I try to live my life to the fullest. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that life is long or short? It's what you make it. What do you, What do you make it? What What have you decided life is? Uh, I mean, I I love life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I make it, I make it whatever I want to make it. Um, but I think because I've had so many times of being in that Seth pit, I really try to find the positive. Um, and I try to carve out time, you know, now it's like, I've got a schedule in my diary. I book in my my non-negotiables, my meditation. Um, I take holidays every year, like four times a year with the kids, because that's my priority and that's what, what I want it to be. And so I kind of just map out my life. Um, of where I would like it to be and what I want to fit in and how I want it to look. So it's like a big diary. And of course, there's times where it's just, we're launching a new business at the moment. So, you know, there's nights where I'm staying up till 12 o'clock at night, but I know that's just, that's okay because I'm doing all the things to support me and it's only in the interim. Yeah, it's a short-term thing for the long-term goal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me, Mans. Honestly, great chat as always. I feel like we always have a bit of a... uh, uh, yander and a, a laugh together when we when we chat well I'll just let your listeners know that thank you I was a bit this morning I did go and have a healing okay so I've gone into deep parasympathetic when I'm in deep parasympathetic I don't always commute or explain things properly so <laughs> that's why we've been laughing through the whole thing but we're both we're both a bit loopy I feel like today just because well you know COVID can we can we still say that it's because of COVID yeah. <laughs> And I'm also in my um, autumn phase as well. So oh. <laughs> I'm day 18 in my cycle So and I'm feeling pretty exhausted today. Yeah. Today's my day off. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking time on your day off to chat with me. That's even that's even a bit more um, special. So where can people find you? On Instagram, on, on your website? Where can they go? On website. Yeah, au, and the new business is All Natural Pharmacy. So check us out. It's a gynecological healthcare range um, to support you through menstrual health, reproductive health and gynecological health. Very, very exciting. And also you've got a podcast, the Lady Palace podcast that you need to check out as well, guys. Um, so there's a few bits and pieces. I'll pop it up in the show notes so that you can check out everything that Mans is doing. All amazing stuff, especially if you are a woman and to help you guide you through your health and wellness journey. So guys, thanks so much for listening. Make sure you screenshot this episode and share it to your IG stories and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Rach Active Podcast. <laughs>